Turn with me, please, to the book of John, chapter 1. I'm going to be reading verses 35 to 51. John 1, 35 to 51. Um, according to the schedule, according to the program, according to the paradigm of a capital campaign, I'm supposed to give a last rah-rah sermon this morning. Eh, not going to do it. Because we came across my heart, and this is especially after reading this morning's Sedra and seeing that part of the Sedra is included in this scripture that I'm going to be reading. I think rather than talking about raising money for a building, I wanted to talk this morning about why we're here and what we're supposed to do. First John, I'm sorry, John chapter 1, verses 35 to 51. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Yeshua as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Yeshua. Then Yeshua turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, or translated as teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, I want you to remember these three words, Come and see. Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Yeshua. Now when Yeshua looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated as stone. The following day, Yeshua wanted to go to Galilee. And he found Philip, and he said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Yeshua of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael came to him, said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said, say it with me, Come and see. Yeshua saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile, no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Yeshua answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Yeshua answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And then this is now a reference to Genesis 28:12. He said to him, most assuredly, I say to you hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Evangelism. It's perhaps the believer's greatest fear. Personal evangelism, sharing one's faith with another person. After all, I may not know what to say. I mean, you know, what if they ask me a question I can't answer? Um, I might fail. I'm not gifted in evangelism. Don't you know that's the rabbi's job, isn't it? And I'm afraid. Well, truth be told, I think that witnessing is one of the most neglected commands in all of Scripture. 
And while Bible reading and prayer are also disregarded by the average believer, I would say that witnessing has to be the least practiced of all the biblical disciplines. When we consider the fact that Yeshua's final words to us were a challenge to spread the good news to all the world, it seems ironic that most believers have never personally led another individual to Messiah or even shared their faith with an unbeliever. But you say, Dennis, I'm afraid. I don't think well on my feet. You know what? There's not a witness alive who's not felt the same fear at one time or another. We all have feelings of anxiety when we share the gospel with an unbeliever. So fear, my dear ones, is not an excuse. But you say, Dennis, I don't know what to say. And I'm afraid they'll ask me a question. And I won't be able to answer it. What do I say to someone? Well, what we learn in this sermon, I hope, is a very basic method of evangelism. It's perhaps the simplest of all witnessing tools, and this is what I call it. The come and see method of personal evangelism. Come and see. What is it? Well, before I get into the principles of it, I want to look at our text a little bit. In John's gospel, we've been introduced to the gospel's first witness of who Yeshua is. We hear the testimony of John the Baptist. And we learn that Yeshua is the Lamb of God, the pre-existent one, the one who baptizes with fire, and the Son of God, anointed by God himself. We also found out that the baptizer himself defined his role as that of a forerunner. He was called to prepare the way for Yeshua. He was a voice of preparation. And it's here that we discover that John the Baptist displays the ultimate aim of the proper witness when he directs his followers to Yeshua. There's a transfer, if you will, in the text from John to Yeshua. John simply wants others to see the Messiah. Come and see, and not him. So look at verses 35 to 37. The next day, John stood with two of his disciples looking at Yeshua as he walked. He said, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak. And they followed Yeshua. For the second time, the apostle uses the phrase the next day in the scripture here. I think this specifies that these events took place in most likely a three-day cycle. On the first day, verse 29, John identified Yeshua amidst the crowd. And this time, on the second time, John is with two of his disciples, yet his purpose remains the same. And what is his purpose? He wants to point people to Yeshua even his own followers. And this section, which extends to the end of the chapter, displays what you could call intimate evangelism, pointing those closest to you to Yeshua. And that's exactly what John does. He points his own followers to Yeshua. That's him, he says, the Lamb of God. In verse 37 we observe that this transfer takes place when the text states, quote, and they followed Yeshua. You see, John accomplished his goal. He got his followers 
to follow Yeshua. The word follow in John's gospel is a word used for discipleship. It means a willingness to forsake all and follow Messiah only. It involves the idea of surrender. And here, John's two disciples, Andrew and possibly John, follow Yeshua. Well, in verse 38, as these two disciples approach Yeshua, he turns and asks them a very, very interesting and penetrating question. What do you seek? These are the first words that he speaks in the Gospel of John. What do you seek? Now, we have to remember that for thousands of years, the Jews had thought their Messiah, a political deliverer, a reliever of oppression, an earthly king. And now Yeshua wants to know what type of Messiah are you guys looking for? In other words, what's your motivation for following me? What are you looking for? Power? Glory? Fame? Self-satisfaction? What do you seek by following me? And dear ones, I would ask us this question. What are we truly seeking? in our relationship with the Messiah? Is it recognition, prestige, popularity? What is our motivation? And especially that last question, what is our motivation? Because motives reveal sincerity. Motives reveal sincerity. In Yeshua's question, there's a hidden answer. You know what it is? He is the fulfillment of the true seeker. We look to money, power, drugs, alcohol, sex, and other false avenues of contentment. We're searching in the wrong direction if that's what we look for. Genuine and lasting satisfaction only comes in Messiah Yeshua. So what are you seeking this morning? I hope it's not just a new building. Are you seeking happiness, contentment, peace, stability in a shaky marriage? Answers to life's questions, know this, that fulfillment is found in Messiah and Messiah only. He is the answer for the seeker. Amen? So the two disciples answer Yeshua's question with a question. Do you know why? Because they're Jewish. (laughs) Rabbi, they say, where are you staying? Their question and answer reveals their true desire. They simply seek to spend time with him in order to get to know him better. They seek to become better acquainted with him. And their motives appear to be pure and genuine. And Yeshua's response, come and see. Come and see. It's an open invitation for them to spend time getting to know him. Come with me, he says, and you'll see. The call to come, dear ones, is a call to relationship. It's a call to discipleship. It's a call to have your eyes open to God's truth. The call to come is a call to transformation through following the Messiah. The disciples answered the call and came, and sure enough, their lives were transformed. You spend time with Yeshua, you will not be the same. And as a result of this time with him, one of the two disciples, Andrew, realizes that he needs to share the good news with his brother Simon. And immediately, the scripture says, he finds his brother to share with him the wonderful news. We have found the Messiah. You know, every time we see Andrew in John's gospel, 
He's helping other people to get to Yeshua. We find it here. We find it in chapter 6, verse 8, when he brings a young lad to Yeshua. We find it in chapter 12, verse 22, when he brings some Greeks to Yeshua. Andrew was an aide, a helper to bring others to Yeshua. And Andrew never received the attention of his brother Simon Peter. Still, he was faithful to fulfill his calling. He brought others to Yeshua. He was not in the spotlight, but he was faithful to bring others to Yeshua. He didn't receive the recognition of some of the others, but he was committed to bringing other people to Yeshua. Son of David, we need some Andrews here. We need some Andrews here. Some people who will be committed to bringing others to Yeshua. We need some older Andrews. We need some younger Andrews. We need some teen Andrews. We need some mom Andrews. We need some dad Andrews. We need some grandmother and grandfather Andrews. We need some deacon Andrews and Shabbat school teacher Andrews. We need people that are committed to bringing people Yeshua so that they can come and see. Can't you just picture Andrew? got to tell Peter. i got to tell him my news right now. What's his news? We found the Messiah, the anointed one, the one anointed by God to serve as the great high priest who would offer the final sacrifice for sin, his very own life. And Andrew's excited to share this news with his brother Simon. I found him. I found the Messiah. He's here. We found him. And in verse 42... He brings him to Yeshua. That says it all. He brings him to Yeshua. He simply brought his brother Simon to Yeshua. That's all Andrew knew how to do. Just get him to where he needed to be. Come and see. He pointed his brother to the one who could change his brother's life. My dear brothers and sisters, being an Andrew does not involve fancy evangelistic methods It doesn't involve memorizing lots of Scripture so you never make a mistake. Being an Andrew means getting them to Yeshua. Come and see. Allow Yeshua to make the transformation. You just be faithful to bring them to Yeshua. We can't change people, but He can. We can't make unfaithful spouses quit cheating. But he can. We can't make alcoholics quit drinking. But he can. We can't make drug addicts quit using. But he can. We can't make abusive parents quit their violence. But he can. Our job is to get them to Yeshua. Come and see. Come see. And indeed, Yeshua takes one look at Peter and sees more than the rugged fisherman. In fact, he identifies him as Petros, which means a rock or a stone. You are now Cephas, but you'll become Peter. You see, he saw beyond the brusque, headstrong, out of line, capricious fisherman. He was the solid rock, and Messiah saw him for that. He saw him for what he would become even if it might take a while. And certainly Yeshua sees us for our potential. He sees what we can be in Him. 
This come and see evangelism continues the next day. The third use of intimate evangelism. You see, it kind of creates a chain reaction. Each one reaches one. Did you hear me? Each one reaches one, reaches one, reaches another. It's a chain reaction. That's how it should go. On the third day, Yeshua seeks out Philip, evidently a friend or an acquaintance of Peter and Andrew, and he bids him, follow me. Yeshua came to seek and save the lost, and here he seeks out Philip and calls him. And Philip follows. Once again, notice Philip's immediate response. He finds Nathanael and testifies of the same thing. We found him. The one about whom Moses and the prophets spoke. Yeshua of Nazareth, brother, we found him. Now, Nathanael's a little more skeptical than the rest of them. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? I'm fighting the urge to tell a West Virginia joke. (laughs) Can any good thing come out of Nazareth, he inquires? Nathaniel's question reveals the Galileans' disgust for the Nazarenes. Nathaniel had specific prejudice issues, and he does not respond in immediate faith. So what does Philip do? Give in, shy away, throw in the towel? No way. He does the only thing he knows to do. He replies, come and see. I don't have all the answers, but come and see. Your skepticism will not prevent my witness. Come and see. And Yeshua draws him in. Quote, I saw you before you even came. You were sitting under the fig tree, which might be a sign of him studying the Hebrew Scriptures. Nathaniel, I know who you are. I know everything there is to know about you. I know what you think and where you go and what you do. Nathaniel, I know you, and I want you to follow me. And how do you think Nathaniel responds? Yep, places his faith in Messiah. He says, you are the Son of God the King of Israel, only the Son of God could know this. You must be him. Yeshua answers, I'm glad you believe, but you believe because I gave you a sign. You're going to see greater signs than these. As a matter of fact, I'm the one in whom God is revealed. And then Jacob's latter allusion, which we read in this week's Parsha, points to the reality that Yeshua is the link between heaven and earth. He is the means by which God is brought down to earth and Nathaniel will witness firsthand God at work in the earth. And when we bring people to come and see Messiah, we also are privileged to see God work on the earth. We're given the opportunity to witness God working in the lives of his creation. God is revealed through his people. What a testimony that is. Come and see evangelism. So what does this text teach us about personal evangelism? What are the basic principles of come and see evangelism? You might want to write them down, and you're not going to have to study them hard because this is not rocket science. Number one, recognize a prospect. Who should come? Who should you invite? If you are a believer, you have a prospect. For John the Baptist, it was his disciples. For Andrew, it was his brother. For Philip, it was Nathaniel. For you, it's someone different. It may be a family member. It may be a friend. It may be a co-worker or a neighbor. But there is someone for everyone. And so you need to recognize them. You need to think about them right now. 
Whatever name God just put in your heart, you need to think about that person right now. Think about who God is placing on your heart right now. Recognize that prospect. That person might be a seeker, might be someone searching for an answer, might be a skeptic. I don't care whoever they are and whatever their attitude might be, recognize them. They're your prospect, and every believer has one. As a matter of fact, each one of us probably has a lot of them. But I want you to think right now of that particular one, just that one. The first step in come and see evangelism is is to recognize your prospect. Think about them. Is it a spouse, a child, a brother, a sister, a relative? Is it your neighbor, your coworker, an acquaintance, a friend? Just recognize who God put on your heart this morning. Point number two, refer a person. Who should they see? Recognize, refer. After you identify your prospect, your task is to point them to Yeshua. Your words are simple. Come and see. Many are searching, many are skeptical, but whatever the case may be, your responsibility is simple. Point them to Messiah. John the Baptist did it. Behold the Lamb of God. Andrew did it. We have found the Messiah. Philip did it. We have found him of whom Moses and the prophets wrote. And you can do it too. Point them to Yeshua. Point them to the great rabbi, the great teacher who has the answers to all of life's problems. Point them to the Messiah, the King of Israel, the one who came to provide hope for his people. Point them to Yeshua, the Son of Man, the one who lived a sinless life and died as a criminal for our sins. Point them to the Son of God, God robed in flesh. Point them to Yeshua and tell them who He is. You need to refer them to a person, and that person is Yeshua. Programs are good, but they don't change lives. A moral lifestyle is good, but it does not change a person internally. Shabbat service is good. Bible studies are good, but they don't change lives. Point people to Yeshua. If we point them to Son of David and fail to get them to Yeshua, guess what? We failed. If we encourage them to live a good life and fail to point them to Yeshua, we failed. If we feed their hungry stomachs but fail to get them to Yeshua, we failed. Picture a little boy after attending Shabbat school for the first time. His mom says, Who was your teacher? He says, I don't know, but she must have been Yeshua's grandmother. She didn't talk about anybody else. We must refer them to Yeshua. Come and see. That's the testimony of the believer. And number three, remember your purpose. Why should they come and see? What's the purpose of come and see evangelism? Why is it important? Well, as the text illustrates, it's important because Yeshua is the only way to eternal life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. And it's important to point people to Him because there's no hope of eternal life and everlasting happiness outside of Him. But there's another reason, and it's important. We have another people, another purpose. We should get people to Yeshua because He changes lives. He takes Cephas and makes him Peter. He takes the sinner and makes him a saint. He takes the drunkard and makes him sober. He takes the prostitute and makes her clean. 
He takes the spiritually sick and makes them well. He takes the spiritually blind and makes them see. He takes the dirty and makes them clean. He takes the unclean and makes them pure. Jesus changes lives. He makes what is dead alive. He makes what is dead alive. And I believe that's why Andrew had to tell Simon and Philip had to tell Nathaniel because Yeshua changes lives. And when Yeshua changes your life, you need to tell others. You need to tell your family. You want others to know. You want to tell people about Him. Remember your purchase purpose. Come and see evangelism. It's really quite simple. Recognize your par- prospect. Refer a person to Yeshua and remember your purpose. And we need some more Andrews and some more Phillips. We need some believers who will determine, by God's grace, I will bring one person to Yeshua. Notice I didn't say, I will save one person. I will bring one person to salvation. Can you imagine how Andrew felt seeing his brother come to the Messiah? Can you imagine how he felt when Peter preached at Shavuot? Philip compels us to remember that God uses ordinary people to bring others to Messiah. Others who may make a huge impact for the cause of Messiah. And so determine this morning, my dear ones, I will bring one. I will invite one prospect to come and see. Evangelism is usually advanced one person to one person, one at a time, reaching one at a time. Edward Kimbrell. Anybody know him? Of course not. You do? He was a Sunday school teacher. He led D.L. Moody to Messiah in the back of a shoe store. A Salvation Army worker led Billy Sunday to Messiah on a curb in Chicago. A lesson taught by a deacon on a snowy, wintry night led to the surrender of C.H. Spurgeon to Messiah. And here's a personal testimony. Son of David's congregational leader, Scott Brown, told me to come and see. Are you a seeker? Are you a skeptic? I invite you today. Come and see. And if you're not an Andrew, I would ask you to determine to be one. Now, I know we've run long this morning, but the worship was incredible. Phyllis's testimony was incredible. Debbie's testimony was incredible. Amy's testimony was incredible. And now we have just one final testimony for you. So if you can play that, please. It's pretty bad when you tear up at your own testimony, you know what I mean? (laughs) Here's a basket up here. There's a commitment card. There are envelopes. Well, there's a lot of envelopes in here now. There's room for a lot more. Let me just explain a little bit about the card in case you haven't filled it out yet. The card allows you to give an initial sacrificial gift. If you were to give it today, that would be a check today in the amount of everything, anything from a dollar to $100,000, unless you have more. And then it says, in addition to that, I'll give either weekly, monthly, or annually 
an additional amount over and above my normal tithe for the next three years. So, for example, my wife and I made an initial sacrificial offering, and then we said, we're going to give another $100 a month over the next three years. And so on the bottom, there's a place to put the final commitment. That $100 a month turns into $3,600 over three years, plus the initial sacrificial offering. That's the total. And then you put this card in the envelope and then place the envelope in the basket. And when you start giving that amount over and above your offering, we would ask that you designate it Capital Campaign. For example, I, uh, we send in our, our tithe checks uh, through the bank. And what I will do is I'll send it in and say this is the amount plus, and we do it twice a month, $50 capital commitment pledge because we're going to keep separate accounting for the capital campaign. Okay? So if anybody has any questions about that, this would be a good time to ask about how it works. Okay? Yes? I would like it specifically to say capital campaign pledge. That way we keep track of it. Yes? Judy, can that be designated on PayPal? Any other questions? Okay. Charlie, you here? I want you to come up with me and, and pray over this basket. Isn't this just like God? He answers our prayers before we say it. Father God, thank you. Just thank you for everything that you deserve thanks for. That's simply my prayer this morning. Thank you. Father, I just thank you for uh, your provision. You are mighty, O oh God. You said you would pour out your blessings. The windows of heaven would not be able to contain the blessings that you have. And Lord, we're being faithful. We're being fa faithful to step out and uh, go beyond what we are comfortable with sometimes. And Lord God, we just thank you for your provision. And Lord, we all see the uh, need. We have spoken the need. We understand the need to have our own birdhouse, something that's unique, that would testify not only to an unsaved world, but to a needy world, a world that recognizes that uh, the Jewish people are a special bird, and we welcome them. So God, we just ask that all this provision that uh, you have for us, that's before us right now and that is coming, that is being promised 
every way that it's coming into this local body, Lord, you multiply it and meet our entire need. Meet the entire need. And Lord, you know what it is even before we even ask. So God, we just ask again that you uh, continue to bring all the provision into the, into the storehouse, not only through tithes and offerings, Lord, but supernaturally bring it in. We don't understand what your supernatural is, so bring it in miraculously in Yeshua's name. Amen.